0: coastal at the boatyard restaurant located at 1515 southeast 17th street causeway in fort lauderdale here you'll feel part of the yachting tradition of south florida as you experience the boatyard's hooked table seafood eccentric menu with fresh catches listed by name of the fisherman who caught them the boatyard's open kitchen is also known for premium grilled cuts of meat and a menu that's sourced from local ingredients sit inside in modern nautical themed rooms or dockside and watch the boats cruise by as you enjoy lunch, dinner and Sunday brunch. Monday through Friday, the locals know that the Boatyard's happy hour is the best place to gather for bar bites and handcrafted cocktails at great prices. And don't miss out on Ladies Night every Thursday. Call ahead to book your reservation today at 954-525-7400. Clear the airways. <laughs> The
1: Lunker Dog is on the air.
0: Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Hey
1: everybody. Welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. Kevin Conkren in the house tonight. Um, Kevin, thanks for coming in and being in The Lunker Dog Studios. and Can't wait to do this podcast with you.
0: Great. Uh, so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: Very good. Very good. Now, it's. Um, I'm just getting to know Kevin a little bit. Um, when we had this sewage... Um, spill not too long ago Um, somebody sent to me via messenger that this guy Kevin was holding an emergency meeting at of all places the Tarpon River Brewery and um, so immediately I was drawn to meet Kevin and I called up Julian Siegel who owns the Tarpon River Brewery and I tried to get a skinny I was like who's this Kevin guy that's doing an emergency meeting down there at the brewery and he goes I don't know I says well I'm going down there to meet him And um, Julian from the Tarpon River Brewery says, well, I'll meet you down there. And I walk in and Kevin's sitting at a table and um, I just started listening. Kevin, how did that whole meeting, uh, emergency meeting at Tarpon River come about?
0: Well, it's kind of a funny story and there's not much to it. Um, When I heard about the sewage spill, um, I simply, like many other people, uh, was just upset Mm -hmm. and didn't actually know what I could do as an individual. Right. Um, but there's always power in bringing together a community and collectively taking action. And so I didn't know what to do except I love the Tarpon River. I love Tarpon River Brewery. And I decided just to simply create an event. And whoever was listening and whoever wanted to join me, I just wanted to meet them, anyone, that wanted to do something and just said, why don't we meet at Tarpon River Brewery? I didn't know who was going to show up. I didn't know if anyone was going to show up. I had no idea. Um, And if you remember, when I was there, I was by my lonesome at the table, and I was just wondering who might actually arrive and sit down. (laughs) I had no clue. Um, And luckily, amazing people showed up. Uh, you showed up Julian showed up a whole raft of people showed up right it was so funny I didn't even know Julian owned Tarpon River Brewery if you remember I was like oh my god you actually own this place it's my favorite place to eat right Um, but yeah together we sat down and we talked for like an hour and we built up a list of like 15 demands that we wanted to see the city uh, enact right I still had that list Uh, I'm going to carry that list I have it pinned up on my wall over the next few years, everything on that list will get cr- crossed off in one way, shape, or form. Um, some elements of that list made their way into a petition with over 8,500 signatures right now. Um, the petition is already driving change at the city, not enough, not fast enough. But ultimately, what was the most amazing thing at that end of that session in the brewery, you know, made the list. And then actually, you, uh, Ended the meeting and said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And yeah. he said, I'm going to organize a protest. And he said, you handle land, I'll handle sea. I'm going to get every single boater. I'm going to get even the water taxis. I tried. To you know, join Those, in. those you... water taxis, they drove by and they weren't even at idle speed. It was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but you laid out a whole action plan at the end of that meeting and we were in it to win it. So I want to thank you for, you know, taking charge and leading the way for what ultimately happened it's It funny. was amazing
1: Well it's funny because um, you know when I when I walked in um, I was you know I had the same shit going through my mind. I'm like, wow man this is really a bad situation and didn't know what to do either. I had no clue like I was like going over a friend's house I'm watching this sewage spill into the canals I'm watching the fish floating up dead. And I know it's a major thing, and I'm thinking to myself, nobody in town really knows about this. And then when I got that um, message that you were going to over to the brewery, it was like, it wasn't a doubt in my mind, like if, if I was going or not, it was like how fast could I get there and see if I could make sure I, I meet this kid. And um, you were the first person that um, I saw doing any type of call to action, which I commend you for. Now, have you had in you know your life experience, I mean, have you had previous experience doing any type of protest or government stuff? I mean,
0: uh, actually, no, um, quite the opposite. So um, I think, you know, I'm a recent transplant to Fort Lauderdale. I just moved here four years ago. Um, and you moved and here from San Francisco? From San Francisco. Okay. And, you know, in San Francisco, I was civically disengaged. Um, you know, San Francisco, beautiful city, mm-hmm. uh, lots of merits to different aspects of it, but ultimately a city that, from a lifestyle perspective, is very challenging place uh, to live. And one of the things that's been, you know, incredibly amazing here in Fort Lauderdale is just the uh, engagement of the community, you know, um, the, the attention people pay to What's happening to their neighbors, Um, the amount of time people spend outdoors, you know, living a happy, healthy life. I mean, uh, the the lifestyle we have here, I do see that here. That's what's amazing. But
1: you didn't see that in San Francisco? No, not at all. Not at all.
0: Not at all. Um, I think, uh, you know, San Francisco is very, it's much more like New York. It's very uh, work oriented, you know, 24 by 7, you know, very money driven. Um, And, you know, there's, places that need to be like that. Um but here in Fort Lauderdale there was a, just a very different um very different lifestyle, um much healthier lifestyle, much more civically engaged lifestyle. And so yeah, in San Francisco I was civically disengaged, but coming here it was very easy to start caring uh about your neighbors, very easy to start caring about your neighborhoods, very start very easy to start caring about the people around you and how they're affected by things. And so um, on this particular issue, it affects all of us and it affects our home. And so, yeah, this is the first time I've ever done something like this because this matters for, for people. This matters for all of us, I think.
1: Well, it's funny. It, you know, I,
0: I didn't realize that,
1: um, I thought that most of the social charm to Fort Lauderdale was totally gone, but hearing from you coming from San Francisco, that there's still a social charm here and that you're attracted to it and that you're enjoying it. It's nice to hear dude, because really, I mean, this place has went from a small beach town to a major city to now a major city. That's very expensive. Yep. And I just assumed that the social part of this town was a thing of the past. So that's freshening for me.
0: It's still there. I see it every day. And it's something we, we need to protect. It's something we need to cherish. And part of the civic engagement that we're doing on this issue is just to make people remember that this is our town. Uh, you know, I'm new here, but I consider this my town now. Um, this is our town, and we need to, you know, keep our lifestyle. And we need to protect the things that we cherish and enjoy in this, in Port Lauderdale. Because um, it's a great place. It's the best place to live in the country.
1: I think I, I always thought so. I'm st- I was starting to wonder in the last few years if this is still the best place to live in the country. And um, at least for the first time in my lifetime, it's debatable because I don't think it was ever debatable before. If you came here, you know, and you settled in and, and you got a really good um, feel for the city, for, for for the beach, for you know what everybody supposedly comes from Florida. Um, four, um, that was never debatable. I just thought everybody, you know, would think the same exact way. And now that I'm getting a little bit older and this place is turning into a way more metropolitan area. Um, I'm not a hundred percent anymore.
0: And I think there's many people that, you know, feel the same as you. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that have been longtime residents and many of them have questioned whether or not they need to move. Um, many looking to maybe move further places north. Um, and I think everyone needs to take a pause because if it's something that you love, it's something that you fight for. And Fort Lauderdale is something worth fighting for. And we as people who love this town need to stand up and say, this is what our town is. This is what our town represents. This is the character. This is the soul of our town. Our town is not another soulless metropolis. You know, you know, it's so funny. You read the sun sentinel and they're doing such wonderful journalism, chronicling all the issues that we're facing. And I just pick out certain quotes in certain articles and I'm constantly hearing referral Reference to our city in terms of Manhattan in New York and Brooklyn. Um, You know, Glassman, uh, Commissioner Glassman recently spoke about Holiday Park. It's our central park. Um, You know, Commissioner McKenzie recently spoke about the new project along Sistronk is it'll be Brooklyn looking over the Manhattan skyline. You know, Hmm. Uh, you know, our mayor referred to the downtown rack as Manhattan. I don't agree with our leadership and (laughs) their view of Holiday Park and Sistrunk and the downtown rack. We don't want to be New York. If you want to be New York, you can live in New York. If you want to be San Francisco, live in San Francisco. Um, There's a reason why people born, bred, raised here in Fort Lauderdale and made this their home. There's reasons why people moved here to make their home. It's a different character. It has a different soul. And if you're just going to throw up a whole bunch of high-rises You know, miles on miles along US Federal One, uh, you're just going to have a soulless city. The soul of the city is people like yourself. Um, And, you know, we need to maintain that. We're not Manhattan. We shouldn't be Manhattan. That's not what our city is.
1: Now, you mentioned about your 5,000 signatures. 5,000 you got to?
0: 8,500 and climbing rapidly. 8,500 now. Yes, it's climbing rapidly.
1: All right. Now, explain to the audience what that petition says and why um, you started it And 8,500. That's pretty successful for any petition. Yeah. Um, Yeah, explain to the audience. Give us a little bit of insight.
0: So, um, it really came out of the meeting with Tarpon River Brewery, um, which is, we have a list of 15 things, um, and the challenge was presenting all 15 and demanding all 15 at once, probably not palatable. So basically took the core, uh, about half of it and basically put it in the form of a petition. And the petition is pretty simple, which is at the end of the day, um, cease all, uh, net new approvals for anything other than basic residential construction. You know, you need to build a new house, build a new house. You need to build a new, you know, 10-unit condo complex, build that. But none of this high-rise stuff, right. this incredible density, this incredible demands on infrastructure that's already broken. Put a moratorium on all net new approvals until such a time as we do a couple of things. Number one, restore full funding for maintenance and repair and replacement of all infrastructure, water, sewage, everything. Okay. Um, Have a comprehensive plan to fully build out any and all infrastructure needed to support any net new development and fully fund environmental protection and restoration for everything that we've destroyed. Okay. I think it's common sense.
1: It's it, Yeah, I, it's
0: common sense. I mean, at the end of the day, what people don't realize, and I think what people are just now starting to understand is there has been a massive explosion of approvals for construction, residential, commercial, you know, everything. office, everything. What you see today in terms of the skyline, in terms of the development is just a fraction of what is yet to come. If all approvals stop, if we did nothing but just build out everything that's already been approved, right. you're already not going to recognize downtown. Right, right. There's so much left to be built. Something like 22% of the total housing stock of the city of Fort Lauderdale as of five years ago is getting built out right now in downtown. And you do reali- It's a lot.
1: And you do realize this town's always been that way?
0: I don't know the full history like I said just being a recent transplant from 4 years ago but in just my 4 years I've seen just the massive change yeah it's and... it's the town is just not the same as it was 4 years ago and that's fine in one respect which is if it, you're going to allow that to happen right at least plan for it and the planning for it didn't occur right and the cost is something that we're all now bearing, and yeah, there's shit on people's you know yards and shit all over the roads in Rio Vista and Victoria Park and so on and so forth. That's not the cost I'm talking about. I'm talking about the cost of when you go in that water, you go in that water, it's dead.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: When did when did Fort Lauderdale build its brand and reputation and its entire lifestyle and economy on dead water?
1: Truthfully, about the same time they, <clears throat> about the same time they approved the water
0: taxi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not ki- I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Philosophically, it Philosophically, happened all kind, kind of, the of the same time. time, but you know, I mean, I so so actually, this is like the whole um, Rudy Giuliani and like New York broken windows thing, right? Right? So. What Giuliani did so fantastically in Manhattan, you know, because Manhattan used to be super unsafe. I mean, it was a terrible place to visit. You know, I used to go there for work all the time. I was young, and it was a super scary space. He cleaned them all up, and you know, it's broken windows. If you see a broken window, whoever broke the window, put them in jail. Right? They jump a turnstile on turnstile in the subway, put them in jail. Because guess what? If you if you solve the minor problems like that, the bigger problems never happen and your point the water taxis like the example of the broken window which is once you let you know people just completely ignore idle speed just rip and roar up and down new river
1: let them exploit
0: the natural environment right Right. it just sets it sets a whole tone and tenor and precedent everyone else doesn't care either but also the same probably the same time they let the water taxi start doing that is when they start citing people for liverboards and discharging sewage into the water.
1: Correct, right? Correct, correct. But the um, I don't know if you realize. All right, so I grew up in this town, and in 1983, I'm in high school. There's one building in downtown Fort Lauderdale that were, was over four stories at that time. Think about that. Wow. The um, the locals, the old locals in this town refer to this town as a revolving door because one, not a lot of people stay here. Mm -hmm. And if you do stay here, you better be willing and ready for the city to change around you. Yeah. Now I don't know about you, but I just assumed, which is a bad mistake to do, but I assumed that the city was looking out for the city as we were growing over the years. Yep. And the only reason I even was able to put two and two together, to really realize that the city had no clue and didn't care, was that the fish were dying in the canals and in the intercoastal waterway where I do my work and where I take people fishing every single day. Yeah. And that was my correlation to this um, normal use of neglect That the city of Fort Lauderdale and so many cities across the state of Florida practice on a daily basis. Yeah. Like one of the things that I was just totally floored, and I could not believe that the mayor even said it, but totally agreed that he knew about the problem. Oh, yeah. He totally admitted that he decided not to do anything about it and that it was paid for, but they decided to use the money for other things. That's when it hit me right between the eyes. Like Jeff, what were you looking at over the last right. thirty-five years of living here? How could you not see that and understand? You know the neglect that was going on. And it was, and the nature, Mother Nature, was showing it to me. Right. You know, every year fishing would get harder. Every year places that we used to catch fish in, we can now not catch fish in and it was staring me right in the face but i still assumed that the local government was looking out for the local people
0: yeah i think the problem is there's been a subversion of private profit over public purpose for sure and that's a big problem just to give you a little bit of background you know i grew up in california i grew up in a town called pleasanton cow town 1981, 13,000 people, um, you know, cows, farms everywhere. And, you know, we were part of a burgeoning metropolis outside of San Francisco. So, you know, we grew very rapidly, but the people that were leading our city, um, were our neighbors and their kids went to school with us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we knew the mayor, we knew their kids, uh, we grew up together. Um, When we all went to college, we stayed in touch and we would go home um, and spend holidays together. Um, And even after university, um, you know, people moved back. You know, my brother still lives in Pleasanton. My nephew goes to my middle school. I know the teachers there. I know the, the public librarian. Everyone stayed. I can still walk down Main Street in Pleasanton and the city's five times the size it was. It's a huge... Metropolis. I mean, it's a big booming tech center. Um, But, you know, I can walk down Main Street and I know everybody, Hmm. right? Um, And we never had the growth problems because the city cared because it was their legacy. It was their children, their grandchildren. They were going to die in that city. They were raising their families in that city. So, you know, all of the infrastructure to handle growth was built out. And so nothing ever got built without the city first investing in all the infrastructure so the city's cleaner and healthier than today than it ever was. When I was a kid, you know, we used to spend, you know, our entire summers in the creek, you know, running up and down the creek, catching frogs and, you know, fishing for tadpoles and, you know, just getting ourselves covered in muck and grime, right? <laughs> I, I, I never spent, you know, one minute inside. I was always out in the creek, in the, in the hills, you know, doing whatever, you know, you do as a kid, just, you know, screwing around, you know, in the wild, um, You know, the environment today is healthier there than it was when I was a kid. There was more plastic in the hills. There was more crap in the river when I was a kid than there is now. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually protected and, you know, kept the environment. I think the difference here that what I'm seeing is there's just not that sense of public duty. There isn't at all. Like, if you're an elected official, like, you're job is you need to protect this place for people to live a happy life and raise their children and raise their grandchildren and have them run and play outside um you can't just go to a ribbon cutting ceremony for a new building and say mission accomplished yeah that's not your mission your mission is not ribbon cutting a new development people will develop your mission is to make certain that the quality of life improves day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Right. Developers will develop. Your job is to make sure that what development occurs increases the quality of life. What's happening is the development that I see, and I've been here for a short period of time, so I have a limited time window. It's decreasing the quality of life.
1: I, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think it um, it warps what people's perception of a good quality of life should be, you know, because in this town, you know, when, when they sell these beautiful condos, they're not selling the two or 3000 foot of air conditioned space in the condo. They're selling the beach. They're selling the water. They're selling the palm trees. And, um, I can remember when I learned that Fort Lauderdale wasn't run by a bunch of people that cared or people that, um, like you said, in your town knew where the town came from and where they wanted it to go. And I've only been to a half a dozen city meetings in my life. And out of that half a dozen, five of them were for the last right
0: <laughs> last month or so. You've been active. <laughs> You've been busy.
1: But I did go to the I did go to the meeting um, that the mayor and the city manager at the time um, were all for the water taxis. Right, and the locals showed up. And a lot of people were against the water taxis. And the reason we were against the water taxis was more as a philosophical reason that the whole reason you get out on the river and get out on the canal system is to get away from stuff like taxis. Right. And that's just not a place, you know, for that type of uh, um, commerce or that type of transportation. And I can remember the city manager or the maybe she was the county manager, I forget, but she was from New Jersey and she had that Jersey accent. Yep. And she says, well, I personally think that it's a viable form of transportation. And that was the end of the meeting. And everybody that showed up to oppose the water taxi was shut down. Yeah. And because she thought it was a viable form of transportation, Fort Lauderdale has lived with the water taxi ever since. Yeah. That's when I knew. And that's when I first knew that this town was not being run by the stewards of the town. But by complete strangers who didn't even know the difference between having the water taxis on the river, yep. or
0: not. Yeah. And I think that's uh, I think that's a really good word that you use, strangers, which is what I find strange is there's two views of Fort Lauderdale. There is Fort Lauderdale as the next Manhattan, right right? Where they're selling a quality of life where people can look out at the water from a three thousand square foot air conditioned condo and then simply take the elevator down and then walk to a fancy restaurant and walk to um you know some fancy you know nighttime entertainment and it's basically living in New York but you have a better view (laughs) and the warmer's weather. The weather's warmer. The weather's warmer. The weather's warmer. And okay. Um that's one view. And I think that's the prevailing view for our current commission. Um, but then there's another view, which is uh, people that want to live outdoors, people want to enjoy the environment, and people want a, a pace of life where they get to know their neighbors, enjoy their company, and just you know live in a healthy community. And the people that want the latter are people that actually like to go out and hang out on the sandbar. There are people who like to just go out in the water and just kind of float for a little while. You know, I just got my sailing license. Best week I ever spent in my entire life. It's the whole reason I moved here Mm -hmm. is to get my sailing license and, you know, start sailing. And, you know, it took a couple of years until I could, you know, rustle up the money and you know, take a week off and, you know, it spends a lot of money to take a week's worth of, you know, it costs a lot, to be honest with you. You have to <laughs> save up. So, and I just remember it was like the most magical thing. I spent seven days floating, like, hallelujah. I was home, this is my life, right? So, I think that people need to reconnect with what Fort Lauderdale is. Right. Manhattan can be anywhere. Manhattan is San Francisco. Manhattan is Chicago, Manhattan is Dallas, Manhattan is Houston. Pick dozens of other cities. There's only one thing that makes us unique and different is we have this lifestyle centered around water. And yeah, the water shouldn't be abused. If you if you want to be on the water, enjoy the water, the peacefulness, the serenity, you know, being in nature. Don't use it as a another highway to go speed from point A to point B. Right. God damn it, get in a car and get on Southeast 17th and sit in traffic like everybody else.
1: Yeah, you know, the traffic issue. You know, it's funny that um, people are so up in arms about the traffic issue in town right now.
0: It's really bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I mean, it's about as bad as you get.
1: <laughs> it's it's bad, but let me tell you this. And, and I don't like it either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially in my neighborhood, we've never been... A neighborhood where you kind of had to watch who was behind you, and you know every single stop sign. This is kind of a, used to be a sleepy, you know, neighborhood. Yep. It's not anymore because of traffic, and I and I get it. But in the '80s, when it was winter time, mm-hmm. from let's call it from right right now, the beginning of February to the end of April, from Sunrise Boulevard to Seventeenth Street, Los Olas Boulevard. From basically Federal Highway East. Yep. Was bumper to bumper traffic.
0: Back then? You could not even move. Really? Really. So, kind of like today. So, some things have never changed. The
1: only thing different between then and now is people are pissed about the traffic. Got it. Back then, people were drinking beers and they were on their way back and forth to these, like all these little, um, um, on Federal Highway. Now it's all Best Buy and big companies and stuff now. Yeah. But there used to be little tiny hotels with pools, yeah. and every one of them had a bar. Hmm. And it was very beachy all along Federal Highway, all the way to yeah. 17th Street, all the way to Oakland Park Boulevard. And then the beach hotels and the beach itself was just loaded with people. Everybody wanted to be there. Yeah. And because of that, you had traffic bumper to bumper every single day, but people were perfectly fine with
0: it. It was different. They were, they were experiencing something, right?
1: It was totally different, but there was a lot of traffic and people forget that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, good example. So, you know, I recently, you know, it was the A1A marathon this weekend. And so, you know, you run through, um, Lauderdale by the sea. Right. Right. And as you're running, what you recognize in Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, you know, the A1A narrows down to one lane, right? And then there's, like, stoplights, and it's, like, super congested, right? So half, an hour, half a mile before you get to that main intersection, Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, with the piers, and then a half mile afterwards, it's just bumper-to-bumper. Right. To your point, is anyone pissed off about that? <laughs> Not at all. They're busy, like, looking around. They're looking at the people at the burger Fi. They're looking at the people over here, that the taco craft. You know, you slow down and that one little section because it's got this beachy, cool town vibe, and you're totally fine with it. Right. Right? And so that's to your point. Like, nowadays, it's like you just want to get, you know, from where I live right off of Southeast 17th, and you want to hurry up and get someplace downtown, and then you're bumper to bumper and there's nothing in between. Right. I mean, it's like a Sargasso Sea of just, you know, retail shit. <laughs> so there's nothing, right? You're just literally trying to get somewhere, right? Um, and so I, I see your point. And I think that, again, it gets back to, like, what's the vision of Fort Lauderdale? Like, if we're going to grow, like, do we want to have kind of a a cool, like, community feel? Or do we just want to be another 1980s big mall, you know, and a big skyscraper, so and so forth. I mean, I literally went back after running the A1A through Lauderdale by the Sea uh, today, uh, no, on Sunday, and I actually went back yesterday and just to walk around. And then I did that just because I was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of like the cool vibe that we should not lose in Fort Lauderdale. Right. Um, right. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, if you call bullshit on me any time. I mean, no, no, I no. love it when people call bullshit on me.
1: No, no, no. It could, no, you're, make, you're, making really good, you're making really good points. It's just like, you're making really good points. It's just that, like, I don't know. More people are coming to South Florida that have, that don't have the water in mind. Mm-hmm. They're coming here because of any other reason but that. Mm-hmm. For the most part. And the people that are moving to the smaller cities in F- Florida, I think, are still moving there with the dream of having some sort of like beach life. Right. Or whatever. Without a doubt, the money aspect of Fort Lauderdale is driving this place into the ground. Even though we've never seen houses as beautiful. Yeah. Yeah or condos is big and beautiful, or nicer restaurants, cars, you name it. The image looks absolutely phenomenal and looks absolutely beautiful. But
0: what's what's behind those fancy restaurants? How many seats are actually filled Monday through Sunday? What's behind the facade of those sleek new towers? How many are actually rented? How many are actually bought? There's a real problem, right? Because we've built a lot of stuff on failing infrastructure, but are the people and the jobs necessarily coming? The jobs and
1: definitely aren't.
0: The jobs definitely are not. Mm. There's actually a real big problem coming. There's a huge problem. A huge problem. And so, well, you know, my point of view is this, which is once we define and get back to you know, what we want the city to be, right? Um, And, you know, you capture it, right? Then we promote that. And we recruit companies, we recruit workers to come enjoy our quality of life. But we tell them what our quality of life is. We market our quality of life because there's a self-selection process there. If people want Manhattan, like, this is not necessarily the place that they want to come you know we want to sell you know living on the water we want to sell living on the beach we want to sell you know we market ourselves let's recruit companies let's recruit you know workers let's re let's create jobs but let's actually tell people what to expect and why they want to be here right 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 now if we're just selling sleek condos hot bars and nightclubs which we are all in warm weather Well, guess what? We're going to attract the wrong type of people, people that basically sit in sleek high rises and eat in fancy bars that maybe just get cold every now and then because they have to walk outside. They're like, oh, wow, I can have exactly what I have here in Manhattan. But when I go outside, I don't have to put on a jacket. Fantastic. Right. That's not the person that we want here.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the person that we're getting here. And I think you hit it on the head when we talk about jobs. Like, how in the world can we have, well, on this street alone, there isn't a house on the street that you can even, there isn't a a, a lot on the street that you can get for half a million dollars. And this isn't exactly what you would call for, again the nicest street in Franklin, Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. This is just normal. Right. But your average income in this town's about $50,000 a year. Yeah, it's it's going to end. And like you said, when it ends, it's it's going to end pretty nasty.
0: uh, And I actually, you know, the funny thing is, and it's not so funny actually, people actually know it. They know it, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you actually talk to restaurateurs, you talk to developers downtown privately, they'll tell you that there's a reckoning coming in a couple of years and all these new places that are getting built are at risk. They expect it. They do. What the hell is going on in this place?
1: It's a it's a giant real I mean, estate deal is what it is.
0: It's I mean it's crazy. It's a giant it, real estate deal. It's totally so at the end of the day, all this <laughs> development impacts quality of life, impacts the environment, and it's all a Ponzi scheme that everyone fully expects to collapse anyway. And then we're going to, as taxpayers, we have to pick up the bill right now to fix all the failing infrastructure and fix the freaking environment. And then in two years, who's going to pick up the bill to basically bail all this shit out? Yeah, no,
1: that's what happened in Miami. That's what
0: happened. I mean, Miami. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little angry now because this is just, this makes no sense. Common sense says, right? That we actually have a sustainable plan for development of the city. What is all of this master plan, all this platitudes about, let's have sustainable development, you know, you know, protect against climate change, our carbon, fuck all that. it's what, that's babble talk. It you wanna talk about sustainable development, talk about what you're doing right now. You're destroying the environment. You Since 2009, the whole state of Florida, across all waterways had seven, 327 million gallons worth of raw sewage spilled. We increase that by a third in just one month, in just one city, in just one neighborhood. Sustainable development, climate change, carbon footprint, shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Yeah, no I'm just tired of hearing it. Um, so I'm going to calm down. So I'm ahead. quite angry about this point. It's good. You're, but not, you're not redlining when, your when, mic, so you're good. When people talk <laughs> about the fact that they know that this is all just uh, essentially a Ponzi scheme that's ready to collapse and we're all going to have to foot the bill. And in the meantime, they've created havoc on our environment and havoc on our infrastructure. I just say shame on them. Just shame on them.
1: And they should be ashamed of themselves. Now going forward, how do you, or do you have anything on your agenda to try to keep this infrastructure issue, the hot topic that it's been and If you do, how are you going to do it?
0: So the good news about me is I run marathons and ultras at that. So I tend to fixate on something and I don't kind of relent until uh, it's kind of done. And that might take a month. It might take a year. It might take 10 years. So you Um, got
1: no problem with a long-term approach. I
0: literally have zero problem. I have a high pain threshold tolerance. (laughs) So, you know, I'll go back to Tarpon River Brewery. I have a list of 15 things. Some of those are included in the petition, not all of them. I literally have that on my wall. Um, If it takes me 10 years, that list will get checked off. Period, end of sentence. It just will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I just will not stop. And I think that should also be a message to our city leadership. Um, This is common sense. And the public wants common sense. And the public wants a change, and I will continue to be a voice of common sense on what needs to happen. And if anyone disagrees with me, please tell me, like what, what, what I need to change and what I need to do. But something needs to happen.
1: All right, let me ask you. I
0: didn't say that eloquently. My apologies, but um, I get certain, I get a certain passion about certain things, and sometimes words fail me. Because I just have like a sense of purpose and I don't know how to convey that actually in words. It just, it's like when you're running at some point in time, your brain turns off and you stop thinking about things and you just freaking go.
1: Well, no, you made, you you made, you made it make sense. I mean, basically what you told us is that you have a sustainable drive that's going to take you to the next, to the next level that's going to get you through that list that you made for yourself. And it's your internal drive that's going to make that happen. And not everybody has a drive like that, and which is one of the reasons why shit like this goes on and on and on for years and years and years. The, um, do you think that we, um, do you think that we've actually turned the heads of the city leaders with the small demonstration in the short period of time that um, we've dedicated towards this so far?
0: Uh, Yes and no. I think on the positive side, um, it's an election year. Uh, There's a lot of public outcry. There's a lot of uh, public awareness, particularly driven by a lot of articles in the Sun Sentinel. And there's much more public education and scrutiny. And I think that the commission is doing what they feel they need to do to get ahead of it from at least a messaging perspective. Um, And so they are moving the needle on certain things that are needed to be done. But I still think that they're just doing the modicum of what needs to be done. So, you know, they want to get ahead of this. Someone actually said it uh, to me today, which is at the end of the day, keep putting on the pressure because without the pressure, the city wouldn't respond. And with the pressure, the city um, is doing what it can to get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. So that's a positive, right? They're worried about public impression and so on and so forth. Um, The negative is, have they really internalized why there's this much pressure from the public? Yeah. No, Yeah. not at all. Good question because... They have not internalized it. I don't think they get it. Yeah, they definitely don't. I don't think they get it. Uh, you can see it just, you can just see it in their public statements. Um, you know, you started this podcast and you talked about, you know, the mayor. And so let's give some comments. So the mayor at his big infrastructure meeting on Thursday, which was all just kind of a PR strunt, frankly, um, you know, basically just called out We've known our water is yellow for years and it's unacceptable. We should do something about it. You literally just said that all of these years, You've known the water is yellow and you've done nothing about it, but now you say you need to do something about it. What about all those other years? Exactly. Right? Commissioner Glassman, when Susie Bailey talks about, you know, she got MRSA from paddle boarding outside her house. Statement was, you went in the canal waters? Those waters are unhealthy. (laughs) Right. You actually run the city you shouldn't make statements like that
1: or damn sure shouldn't accept accept
0: it right yeah so so have they internalized it no when i see people just going to ribbon cuttings and you know glad handing one another for uh a new you know concrete park on the beach and so on and so forth i i just don't really feel like they wake up in the morning and say like i really have a problem here but like i you know People can't fish, people can't swim, you know, tourists are not going to come here anymore. I just don't, I don't, I really don't think it's top of mind until they see an email or a tweet or something like that, or post on Facebook, and then they get bothered for 30 minutes and tell someone, could you look into that? And then they move on with their day.
1: Well, they move on with their deal that they're doing,
0: and they all got a deal.
1: Every freaking person that works in our city has a deal with somebody or is looking to make a deal. Yeah. And that's the first thing that I noticed um, from that very first city, um, what was that? Uh, that was a city commission meeting, right, at the church that we first went to?
0: Yeah, the town hall with the Commissioner Sorensen, yeah. Right.
1: Now, <clears throat> at that point, I, had been, I hadn't been to a whole bunch of meetings, so I couldn't pick out who the city officials were out of the crowd Yeah. You know, at that time. But how they spoke to me and how they shook my hand and how they introduced themselves to me, I knew immediately who the city officials were. Right. Every single
0: one, one of them. Yep.
1: Every single one.
0: Yep. I could Tell get, me, how did, how did you identify that? I'd be fascinated to compare notes.
1: Well, there was, I probably shook 100 people's hands. Yep. When you shake somebody's hand with somebody that truly wants to shake your hand and is hoping for the best, there's some sort of vibe there. When you shake that person's hand and you look in their face, you can feel that and you can see that. Yep. The politicians, city managers, public relations people that shook my hand, that all were there because either the one they were getting a paycheck from the city yep. or from, well, they were all getting a paycheck from the city in one form or fashion or the other. You could tell who those people were immediately. Yep. And then I learned who they were, you know who the commissioner was and who the that city manager was. I was kind of th- set I was thrown I was really thrown back that the mayor didn't even show up, which was I mean, if you really look at it, well, I much rather have the guy not even show up cuz at least you know he doesn't really give a shit as yeah. opposed to the guys that are showing up and are just going through the motions to make sure everybody in that room that night knows that they were there.
0: Right. So going through the motions is the exact right phrase. When they were shaking your hands, they were going through a motion. Exactly. And that's called glad handing. they were glad handing you. And guess what? You sense that. It's not real. They're not really trying to connect with you. They have to do it. It's an obligation. And they're literally looking you know they start shaking your hand but midway they shake your hand they actually look down in a way because they're trying to figure out how to walk away from you without having to listen to you <laughs> right. um and it's super evident like you just feel it even if you can't pinpoint why it makes you uncomfortable you're just like this person sucks um so two things on that meeting right so first let's talk about the mayor so when the Rio vista main broke and by the way just to back up in 2010 that 54-inch main was identified as being risk of catastrophic failure. In 2016, again, the City Commission approved an infrastructure report, the Reese Report, that identified that 54-inch main as being catastrophic risk of failure. Again, in the consent agreement from the state of Florida, it was required to fix that 54-inch main because it was at catastrophic (laughs) risk of failure. The city went and approved the prior commission, not this commission, this commission allocated no extra funds for infrastructure since being elected, not one penny. The prior commission, under a state order, issued a $200 million bond to fix the things the state told us to fix, okay, including that 54-inch main, all right? And in September of 2018, all of the funding was approved for the replacement of that 54-inch main, what happened? When, it, when shovel ready and the funding was approved means that it was shovel ready. Right. They could have started working on it in September 2018. What did they do in September 2018? They did nothing.
1: Oh, they stole the money. They stole the money.
0: <laughs> they didn't do anything. So the mayor didn't show up to the meeting for a very simple reason, which is when the main first broke, this is my belief, the mayor wanted to contain the issue it was not a citywide concern. Right. It was a concern of one specific neighborhood, Rio Vista. So the only public meeting was for Commissioner Sorensen, District 4 Commissioner, to host a town hall in Rio Vista. And this was not worth the mayor's concern. It was not the concern of the city. This was isolated to one neighborhood. But we all know that 54 inch main was at risk of catastrophic failure across its entire seven mile length. And so it only became a city-wide concern when it started breaking multiple neighborhoods. neighborhoods. And also because of the public outcry from people like yourself and myself and like dozens and hundreds of other people who actually recognized the situation for what it was. But there's no way the mayor was gonna show up for that meeting because the mayor wanted the problem to go away, Yeah, then show up, make people happy, and then it goes away. I'll tell you one other thing about the meeting, the one thing that struck me in that meeting is how unprepared right? city officials were. Absolutely. So the Rio Vista main, they said, we're going to replace the whole main, 7,000 square feet, 7,000 feet of it. People raised their hand, asked a question. What are you talking about? Right. That main is seven miles long. It's not 7,000 feet. What about the rest of it? Uh, 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 right, right. Uh, 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 dumbfounded. No idea. Right. Then the demand was made we want the entire main replaced before it breaks down in coral ridge then the they came back and said we'll look into that we'll we'll prioritize that well damn well you better because it's going to break in coral ridge what happened it broke in coral ridge then they committed to doing it right but that's just one of about a hundred examples where they actually didn't know what the hell was going on and then they call a meeting with 200 people show up and they can't ask; they couldn't answer a single question. The right. people asking the questions knew more about the situation than they did. Exactly. Water quality tests? They had no freaking clue. Exactly. What the water quality tests were showing?
1: Now people the, did.
0: Do, people in the audience did. Do we have, Dana McDonald they, knew. We have the bottom of
1: the barrel people that work for the city of Fort Lauderdale. And I don't mean a hundred percent of the people are the worst, but I'm just saying if you if you if your job is sewage, yeah. Infrastructure. Take pride in it. Not only take pride it would if you're here if you're in one of the biggest cities in Florida. Yeah. It would just be common sense to have the best infrastructure people in the entire country in the entire world oh yeah be here in fort lauderdale miami palm beach tampa i agree we should have the best of the best instead we have the worst of the worst
0: yeah well let's let's think about this i mean there's a total dichotomy between what we market and what we deliver right so we market ourselves you know venice of north america we attract this worldwide clientele particularly with things like our boat show and so on and so forth and we want to be this crown jewel. Well, to your point, if we want to stand amongst like the most you know brilliant cities of the world, like what the hell are we doing if we're not right. actually having any confidence in actually like building and protecting and maintaining our city? I mean, what the hell are we marketing when we can't actually deliver on it? Deliver you know, on even it. the boat parade. I mean, come on. This is the craziest thing and I still would like an answer on this. <laughs> so we have all these freaking breaks, right? What my concern, I'll send you the emails. I was I literally send the emails. All of this shit going on the water, it's all gonna get pushed up the new river. There's a boat parade today. Have you tested the water? Are you warning people? They didn't test and put in the precautionary advisory until like day after the boat parade. Privately, what has been told to me is that was purposeful. Oh, I'm sure. So the entire boat parade, people are swimming in shit. And? Now, maybe people didn't get sick. Maybe they didn't, just didn't report it. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It's totally unacceptable. Who, who are the people running this city? To your point, the... Dregs, well, guess what? I'm not going to call into question competence because I don't have any basis for, for doing that. But what I will call you a drag for is, like, if you knew. And they did. Then shame on you.
1: No. And they're still, the city is still at a point where they think that they're slick enough. Where they can do what they want without the public finding out. Right. And for the longest time, they were. Yeah. For the longest time, they were. I think, maybe, maybe, just now, yeah. we've turned a leaf here.
0: Yeah. Well, think about the 954 pilot crew. These guys I love t- them. totally rock. I oh, love my them. God. Like my total heroes. So at that same first town hall with Commissioner Sorenser and City Manager Lagerbloom. Let's stop. Pause there. <laughs> calm down. Continue. <laughs> Um, you know, the request was made. We need comprehensive water quality testing across all areas that might be infected with fecal contamination as a result of tidal flows, because the tide goes out, the tide comes in. So guess what? Fecal matter gets distributed all throughout the ICW, middle river, it gets pushed around, right? Commitment was, oh yeah, we'll look at that, blah, blah, blah. They did shit. They did nothing, right? So, anyway, 954 paddle crew goes out, and they do their own tests, right, around George English Park in the Middle River. Mm -hmm. And what do they find?
1: They find the fecal matter all over the fucking place. All
0: over the place. And then the city says bullshit. And so then they invite the city to come down and do their own test. That was the best ever. They called bullshit on these people. Do you think, like these are paddle boarders they're only testing for their own health they have no political game here they're just trying to see if the water's safe to go in i mean come on these are just average everyday people right yeah so then the city goes down and does his own test and finds the same goddamn thing so two things where's the public alert where's the precautionary advisory where are the signs nothing right nothing Where's the, where's the filing with the state of Florida? Because guess what? There's fecal contamination in the water. It's actually a legal requirement. You actually have to issue a notice of public pollution alert. I get that. I subscribe to that. I mean, Palm, you know, in Palm Beach today, by the way, someone drove their car into the intercoastal. Nice. And there was a pollution alert that went out to the entire state. A car went into the interco- intercoastal. No problem. The car was taken out of the intercoastal within 30 minutes. No damage to the environment. But it was reported. Right. Right, we have fecal contamination that's four and a half times the EPA hazard limit. Right, we still haven't reported it. Exactly,
1: and on top of that, the reason they're 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 going to keep finding these tests are going to keep failing. Correct. Because even though the public doesn't know about every single spill, there's spills going on right All the time. now, right, All right the time. now through the whole county. Yep. And slowly or rapidly, anywhere between having 100 million gallons in a week get pumped into any particular canal to whatever the slower seepage is, it's happening every day, all, all the day. time.
0: And you're, you're 100% right. And, you know, there was, um, I won't name names here, but, you know, there was a resident in Los Olas Islas, that actually made a request to the city, the person responsible Uh, for public works um, and basically said, I'd like to understand what testing the county's doing and I'd like to get access to the test results. The response for the city was, the county stopped testing our waters two years ago. (laughs) Literally, this is the public official responsible for this, said the county stopped testing. Jeff, was that true? No, it was a lie. The county tests all the time and it's actually on the county's website. There's a website, you can go to it, you can look it up.
1: Maybe that was the last time it passed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe the last time it passed, exactly, exactly, the last time it passed. No, actually it does pass, so I'll I'll explain a little why why it passes. So then anyway, you look at all the test sites, and basically what you find is, since this commission took office in March 2018, and I only say that just because, guess what? As of March 2018, they could have started doing something about it right the mm-hmm. past they couldn't do anything about the past but as of the present when they took office they could have immediately made change and it didn't happen since march 2018 we have failed more times than we've passed so we fail 53 percent of the time the county test right when do we pass the test this is when this, do we get to the when do we pass the test when it's a title inflow because oh, well. what happens the tidal inflow comes in, all the fresh water comes in to take out all the shit yeah. then we pass yeah. but when there's a tidal outflow yeah. we always fail yeah. because the city is constantly right. leaking sewage
1: Right. now when the 954 paddle crew um, they reached out to me before they did the testing and I, I made sure. I said, "Listen, I said, don't just do a test at high tide." Yeah. I go make sure you do the test at high tide and low tide. Yep. I said, because you're going to get dramatically different,
0: totally different water. Results.
1: It, it's different water. Yep. And um, fortunately, you know, they reached out to me, and I was able to, you know, that was almost like stumbling across good information. But, you know, that I, I knew that that was going to be an issue if they were going to test. Yep. And then they asked a few other things like where I thought that they should test and so on and so forth. But it is amazing that all of the tests from all the different
0: areas have failed. It's, um, it's, uh, and by a lot. Right. So there's the EPA hazard limit. So there's a couple numbers you need to know, which is there's the limit that the EPA sets that water quality starts to become a, a concern. And that's 30 parts— um per oh, yeah. 100 milliliters and this is 30 parts of e, like e coli right um that's, that's gross Just yeah so it's 30 about. parts so uh, anything below 30 it's healthy waters if it's above 30 you know you got to monitor it because it could get you, bad it could get bad right now the state has a limit of 70 the state says as of 70 that's a, that's when you're really concerned mm-hmm. right so 30 be on the lookout as far as Florida State is concerned, at 70, there's an issue there. You need to address it, right? The EPA has a higher limit, which is 130, which is when it's hazardous, which is when you're required to disclose to the public, you know, avoid recreational water activities, because at a level of 130, um, 32 out of every 1,000 people will get sick. Right. And that's the tolerance threshold. No more than 32 out of a thousand people should be getting sick by just playing in the water. Right. So when you say fail, like we're talking fail, like we're talking like on average four and a half times that hazard limit. Right. Six hundred, seven
1: hundred, a thousand.
0: Yeah. So I think the only consolation here is you see all those people speeding by on that water taxi with all the water spray. Well, guess what? There's a hundred people on that water taxi. Statistically speaking, giving the health of the water. 3.2 of them (laughs) are going to get sick. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Oh, I can't believe we're (laughs) laughing about that. It's
0: so terrible. I know. But you got to find humor in certain situations because, you know, and actually, so, you know, we talk a lot about the negative stuff, right? But, you know, I, I will tell you this and I I I think you're the same way, which is I actually am optimistic because I actually think all of this can be reversed and I think we can put ourselves on, you know, a pace and a plan to actually do something dramatically different. I mean, we have like leaders like Michael Lambricks, uh you know, the Coastal Conservation Association that's leading a charge for oyster bed restoration. Like we can do things. We can change this course it's not too late
1: we can do things um in one of my previous podcasts we talked about when when people were going to actually be ready to do the change that it's going to take in order and we we the only thing we could come up with is that we we agreed that we had to hit rock bottom yep so the question is what is rock bottom for everybody. I thought maybe what we saw last month was rock bottom, but it wasn't even close.
0: You don't think so. Why so? Explain.
1: Because I think the people that showed up to the protest and the people that got motivated by the devastation was still so much of a minority that it could not have been rock bottom yet. I mean, for the type of protests that we did, I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. We got great participation. We got great people. Yeah. Which is even more, I thought was even more impressive than the number of people was the Quality of people. Like we didn't get yeah. a whole bunch of nutters and stuff to show up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the people that showed up were yeah. really into the environment. do we love the nutters too? I mean, yeah I love everybody, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Like usually one of these protests like this, half of the people would be total nuts. Yeah. And then half the people were there because you know it's you know a moral issue for them. Yeah. And and they're there. If I would have saw five thousand people. Yeah. At the at the at the demonstration. Then I would have thought to myself, maybe we hit rock bottom. Yeah, but because there was maybe 500 people total between yeah. on land and then on the boats.
0: Yeah,
1: it couldn't. It, it, it's still not rock bottom. Maybe for me it's rock bottom because this is where I fish. Yeah, and I have to look at this stuff, and I've never seen it so bad in my life. But for the average person, for the person that's not on the water every single day,
0: yeah,
1: it's not rock bottom for them. And I'm not sure what rock bottom is going to be. I mean, I can remember quotes from people who lived in Rio Vista that were three whole blocks from where the pipe was. Yeah. They were like perfectly fine. Oh, no, it hasn't affected me one bit. I'm like three blocks (laughs) from there. And I'm just listening to them like, oh, how could you say that? But in their mind, that's what they meant. I also had people come up and shake my hand and say to me, sorry to hear about your fish.
0: Oh that's crazy And
1: in my mind I'm looking at him and like, How could you perceive The fish as not being yours too
0: Yeah That's crazy
1: And that's why I say I don't think we're close To rock bottom yet Yeah you, right
0: Yeah I mean <laughs> You may be right But I do think That there's A turning point And I definitely think You know we are At a turning point And I think enough people have felt rock bottom to try to start a conversation, to get other people to try to start paying attention. Um, yeah. And I don't know how, I don't know how it'll turn out, but, um, well, you know, God damn it. We're going to keep trying until, well, until it, until it changes for the better. <laughs> like, well, he, my internal optimism just exactly came back at this moment from a pit of despair. And guess what? You are not going to bring me down. We're going to get this done. And we're going to make this shit happen.
1: You can call it optimism <laughs> if you want. I'm going to, I'm going to go to a little different strategy. I'm just saying if I'm going down, I'm going to go down yelling and kicking and fighting. That's all Absolutely.
0: I can say. Absolutely with you on that.
1: Kevin, thanks for being on the um, Real Guy podcast. I appreciate you coming over to Lunker Dog Studios and sitting down with us for an hour or so. Awesome. And um, let's not let this be the last time.
0: Of course not. We've got a long journey ahead of us. We, we, we're we going to we're gonna rebuild our uh, infrastructure and we're going to restore our environment. Come hell or high water.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate all your help and um, run that dog.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man.